You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's up? Welcome to the Van Flip Podcast. I am your host, Lurk. If this is your first time here, thanks for tuning in. We greatly appreciate you checking us out. If you've been here before, welcome back. If you are listening to us on a platform that you can give us a rating, just go ahead and give us a five-star, thumbs up, or whatever the highest thing is you can. It definitely helps us out in the algorithm of the podcast world. Visit lambgoat.com to stay up to date on news, releases, and announcements from around the hardcore and metal world. Follow Lambgoat on social media. Give us a like on Facebook. You can follow us on both Instagram and Twitter at Lambgoat. Go follow Van Flip Podcast on Twitter. Tweet us what you think of the show and what the next guest that we should have on. If you are interested in watching the podcast instead of listening to them, all of our episodes are available to watch on Lambgoat's YouTube channel. So subscribe and make sure you get notified when new episodes are released. I would like to take a quick second to thank our Patreon supporters, Dylan and Lachlan, and our newest supporter, Jeff. Thank you for supporting the Van Flip. You guys are awesome. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter, not only would you help improve and grow the show, but you also get early access to episodes, an invite to the private Discord chat, Lambgoat swag, and more. We will even chat you out on the show for as long as you are a supporter. Visit patreon.com slash the Van Flip Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is stuff. Oh no, what's Oh no, oh no! Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. Welcome back to the Van Flip Podcast. This is our second quarantine uh, live stream podcast situation that we've done. Uh, we would like to welcome Frankie from Imure, uh, or no, Imure, uh on the podcast today. And I am luckily joined by Alex, who is also part of Lambgoat. So welcome both of you. How are you all today? I'm alive. I think I have my health. And so it's pretty much as good as it gets for me, you know? Agreed. Yeah. Doing fine. Well, that's good. <laughs> Locked at home. <laughs> Excited, Alex, as we have. Yeah, vote for the trap man. Did you uh, Did you happen to watch our last podcast with, uh, I with watched, Chris? I actually wa- I watched a little bit of it, and I got kind of bored. But uh, not because of you guys. <laughs> you guys are great. But I just stopped caring about what he was saying, you know. But, uh, yeah, I-, I checked it out. Well, that's interesting. Well, thank you for that. We appreciate that. Yeah. Um, how hey, don't don't disrespect him. He wrote that one song. Uh, yeah. Dude, when I was when I was in middle school, I think I was in middle school. That song was a bop, bro. I don't care what anyone says. It that song is sick. I won't disrespect what he accomplished with the song. Hey, Absolutely. having a top twenty, I think it was a top twenty hit. Uh, yeah, that's that's something. 
and definitely for that. So even if he's living on that legacy, I guess more power to him. That's how I feel. Now I don't agree with him politically, but whatever. Yeah. Well, the good point is he's super relevant now, uh, twenty years later. So <laughs> that's working for him. That is. So Frankie, how are you dealing with the coronavirus and the quarantining altogether? Uh, I'm adapting pretty well. My life isn't too different, except for the fact that I, I just can't do any live performances. Like I'm kind of, I am a homebody and a hermit. So it's not like that much has changed for me, but it sucks that like I live in this cool ass city and it's pretty much a fucking, it's a dead zone. There's no, you know, everything's closed. No one's outside. There's nowhere to go except for the grocery store and the Seven Eleven, pretty much. So that kind of bums me out. But, um, I mean, whatever you adapt, you know what I'm saying? Like you just, you roll the punches. That's really all I'm doing, honestly. Yeah. What city are you in right now? Uh, Portland. Portland, Oregon. West Coast. Yeah. Maine, I assume. What's Nobody that? Lives in Port- I just said Portland, Oregon, not Portland, Maine. I don't know if anybody lives in Portland. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I kept fantasizing about living in the Pacific Northwest, like with the, the trees and the lakes and stuff like that. So here I am planting myself here. Yeah, you nice. went from uh, the East Coast to the West Coast, huh? Well, I went from New York to L.A., and I was living in downtown L.A. in, like, a really decrepit, like, spot, and I just kind of stopped wanting to, like, live amongst, like, all, like, these, like, completely insane homeless people and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, I want to go where I can, like, breathe a little better and, like, see the trees and shit like that. So if I, if I didn't end up in Portland, I would have been, like, in Seattle or, you know, someplace like that. So here I am. That's cool. I have actually family yeah. in that area as well, so I'm vaguely familiar with that area. Tight, tight. When did you, uh, how long have you been up there? Is that something recent, or have you been up there for a couple of years? I made the move uh, in like August of 2019. Okay, so relatively recent, yeah. huh? Yeah. Is that part of the, because uh, you've been trying to, uh, I guess, coin the phrase like be a better person or just be more mindful in general? Is that part of the whole situation there or was that something that you uh like you said you wanted to do but what made you actually pull the trigger on it no i mean i think everyone's evolving at their own pace that's really all it is just sometimes i put my thoughts on the internet what people decide to do with them is up to them but that's really all it is you know i don't i'm not a perfect person by any stretch but um you know i i'm always trying to like figure out things about myself that i can fix and i think everyone's doing that in some way you know yeah, it's, de- it's definitely very commendable. So I, um, you know, I let, I want you to know that going forward. But um, oh well, thanks. That's very nice of you. <laughs> uh, are you drawing over there today? Is that what you're doing in the in the room today? Uh, I don't know. Now that I know you guys can read my signs, I'm trying to think of funny stuff I can put oh, on the right. screen. Oh right, yeah, yeah, okay. That... <laughs> Do you draw at all? I, know you, I see a bunch of like uh, anime artwork in the background. I don't know. If I'm not that. I'm not that talented. But I do have some posters I've collected over the years that I like. Um, I've I've always been more of a graffiti artist than in like a contemporary artist. Interesting. Uh, yeah, cool. But but my style of graffiti is like not even. It's like I don't know if you guys care about that art form at all. But for me, like tagging and like throws and like that to me is like what graffiti is. That's like the buttery essence of graffiti is what I I like to call it. So that's something I've been doing since I was in high school, since I was like fourteen. So it's been a long journey with that whole thing but you know i'm not out i'm not, uh, I'm not out uh, vandalizing stuff anymore I just you know it's kind of just like a growing like hobby or something like that's always been with me right i don't know squat about that world honestly um, not i'm not disrespecting i just um yeah yeah no worries i mean i don't i, I generally think that it's, it's it's still very niche even though people know what it is you know people don't really understand it in full or have like that deep interest normally you know 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, I listen. The vandalizing part, I agree to that because I kind of am up to date on the art into the graffiti scene. I listened the to Jones when I was a teenager. That's all I know about. They they were like taggers or something. That's the extent of my knowledge. But Zach De La Rocha was a fake. Mm, interesting. That's what I learned from Downset. Um, it definitely is a bummer that you couldn't make it to our uh, recording spot, Frankie. It is in a, a big warehouse where we uh, do graffiti all inside on the walls and stuff like that. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, I would have. I would have wrecked your shit. Oh, you, you would have had to. You would have had to kick me out. No, you're <laughs> all good. You're more than welcome to uh, crash it next time you come through town for sure. Uh, we have three warehouses full of uh, space, and they hate read forever is the sign he's holding up. We all can kind nothing of bad that. To say about them. What's up? I said we have nothing really bad to say about that. Oh no, I just I just like giving shoutouts, man. Yeah, for sure. That Perseverance album is a life changer. Oh, dude, of course, man. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm old school. I, mean, I, I love Under the Knife and Satisfaction. And I'm one of those kids who, like, listened to those two first records for so long that I didn't think Perseverance would ever come out. I was like, you know what I mean? I just I would talk about it with people like, I think Hibbert's making a new album. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, then it finally, what was it, like, six years later or something like that until it finally came out? It was a yeah. long time. Yeah. It was 95 to 2000. Yeah. From them. But those Satisfaction and Perseverance for me are... Are crucial records. Absolutely. Under the Knife was cool. It's just the production on Satisfaction was a step up, and I, I guess absolutely, I absolutely. I mean, the, I, it carried them for that amount of time. You know what I mean? So it says a lot about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I was. That's why I was drawn to Perseverance more so than the earlier ones because the production and the sound of it was just more like completely full, and uh, it just sounded so much bigger than it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. Well, I'm glad that I could finally talk some, I mean, I would say new metal, but I've talked new metal on this podcast a bunch. But, you know, you kind of uh, pioneered a wave of new metal deathcore, new metal uh, metalcore, and now it seems to be all the rage. Did you ever see that coming, or, or what were your thoughts on that? I mean, it's cool that music is very cyclical like that, that, that kind of trends or sounds always kind of reemerge in some way. So it's not really I'm surprised or anything like that, nor do I consider myself a pioneer or anything, even though I can appreciate the formality of it all. Um, I just have always liked what I liked, and so I never was ashamed to incorporate that into whatever I'm doing creatively, you know? I think it's awesome that maybe Mirror has been a gateway for some bands or some younger people who have, like, missed out on corn and biscuit and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not, like, again, I'm not really surprised or anything that people are, are checking those bands out because, I mean, there's a reason why at one point Corn and Biscuit were the biggest bands on the planet. You know, it's not because they're shit; it's because they did something right. You know. I agree. I, I'm a big I'm a big Limp Biscuit fan of myself. So. Yeah, don't get him started on Limp Biscuit. <laughs> oh, we could talk about Biscuit all day. I I definitely was. I want the uh, in your uh, Limp Biscuit tour to to hit. I've been wanting that for a couple of years. So I, that, know, that thing, I, I know. I know. Fit. I know that'd be really cool. Um, the closest relationship I have to that band is I'm, I'm kind of like familiar with their tour manager and the drum tech. I've known those guys for a while, but um, I don't know. I'm not like I don't put my eggs in that basket anymore. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it would be cool. It definitely would be cool. Yeah, especially because it would give I guess our, uh, I would assume Biscuit a reason to tour America, and that would be cool for you to do that with. Well, them. but obviously I, they play I, around I've the seen, world. 
I've seen them do an America tour with uh, Machine Gun Kelly, and it was a big success. I mean, a lot of people were there. The energy was great. Machine Gun Kelly was a great opener. Um, so, I mean, I know that they're, they have, like, the capacity to go and fill out rooms and stuff like that. I guess they just don't. I guess, I don't know, maybe they have not. Maybe our name just isn't in that pool or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't really think about it or, like, harp on it or think it's the end, end all be all or anything, but it would be really cool. You know what I mean? I honestly, the coolest, I think the coolest thing that could happen, this is just me spitballing here was if family values as a trademark came back yes. and we were on that kind of like the legacy of that. I think that'd be really sick, you know, because obviously to me, for me, family, family values is like what encapsulates that whole era. You know, I agree. With I that. saw that. I saw that tour when I was a teenager. Uh, I'm jealous of you. Wild. Now and I'm jealous of you then, bro. I miss. I was so. I was like super sheltered as a kid. I wasn't allowed to do shit. Well, I mean, I'm a little older, so <laughs> yes, he does have Twitter. Which, um, but yeah, it was pretty was that, cool. Alex? It was like, uh, what year did you go? It to? was uh, what's that? What year did you attend the, the which which year of the tour? Damn, I don't even know. I just remember it was a rotating stage, and um, I think Primus was there, Ramstein. Oh, which okay. was I wasn't even a Ramstein fan, um, but their live show was wild. Like the pyrotechnics. Yeah, no. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Bad um, news, boys. Oh no! We're starting my computer. <laughs> It'll have you. Know, sometimes that's the key. You know, sometimes that is the key. Sorry, I'm. Re- I feel really bad. I, I. I wish I could have predicted that. Are you? You're more than good. What's yeah. where did uh? Where did we leave off? I, heard, I thought you guys were talking. I couldn't hear you. We were talking uh, about family values. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was saying how I saw family values once, and I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do remember Ramstein, and I remember, you know, Corn and Limp Bizkit doing the uh, All in the Family song. I don't know the title of the song. That's awesome. That's yeah. so sick, yeah. So it was cool, but yeah. I was going to say, like, when Frankie mentioned bringing back the Family Values Tour, I was like, well, you know, uh, Ramstein was supposed to do their big U.S. tour that got canceled, so maybe they can, you know, slide that in instead. Because they, well, they were a big part of the, the Family Values Tour. Absolutely. And in my opinion, if Ramstein is a part of it again, they most likely will have to headline, which is yeah. rightfully so. Ramstein's too big for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they just booked a stadium tour, you know? Exactly. Yeah. They got they got a shitload of fans i don't know that was actually quite impressive for me i wasn't i wasn't very aware that they were that huge to be honest with you i mean they're like one of the biggest for sure yeah i just haven't paid that much attention since uh back in the early new metal days for myself so i can't name a single song other than the two us thing (laughs) the other song i can name because i think i'm in the same boat as you is the song called sane it's an amazing song by rammstein but um yeah, the same thing too. Like after '98, I think uh, Rammstein's presence, like in the Western markets, just kind of dissipated, and so they just kind of continued to be huge, like in Europe and other markets. But now I'm sure that's it's obviously folded over here to where people are like, "Please come back!" Like you know, you're one yeah. of the best. So have you? Caught, yeah, they've done done something right. Have you caught any of uh, the singer's solo stuff or his other band? No, no. There's only so much I have like the brain power to pay attention to, so no, I I must have missed it. Well there's some there's the videos on YouTube are not safe for work. 
Okay, yeah. that's cool. I mean, Rammstein. Rammstein's never been safe for work. They've always been like super dark and like overly sexual and stuff like that. So it for makes sure, sense. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. In fact, during that concert, the keyboard player like had a dildo, like, right? Well, no. I, the part I'm, I'm, I don't want to say he didn't. I, I just don't recall that part. I do recall right. him being like having a collar, like a dog leash on, and then. Maybe the singer walking him around the stage. You know, it's a whole S and M theme thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was very. I mean, it was. I guess edgy. Uh, <laughs> time. I don't know how edgy it would be now, but yeah, yeah, um, definitely. It, it, it was frame. entertaining. I'll say that. Yeah, they're sick. But uh, um, but yeah, they're they're. I don't think. Yeah, that would be like an ego an ego problem. Limp Bizkit and Rammstein at this point. Um, in any case, so Frankie, you, uh, I guess, I mean, I don't know what, what your facility is there, i.e. your home, um, but you can't really accomplish much musically, I take it, from that location. Well, I certainly can't scream into a microphone without causing some kind of like erratic feelings with everyone else in the house. Uh, it would not be appropriate. Um, I People have, I've done like some Instagram live streams and people are like, scream, and I'm like, if you give me $10,000 right now, I'll scream because that's the only way I can afford to get kicked out of here is to, like, yeah. you know, make everyone upset with my noise. But, no, nah, I mean, I can write music and stuff. Like, I have, like, I have a full studio. I have, like, ways to be creative in that sense. But anything that involves me using a microphone, like how people are generally familiar, is kind of, like, not exactly um, the best situation for that. So. Now, your you're, uh, bandmates, they're not in Portland, right? No, no. Um no, my, uh, Joshua Travis lives in St. Louis, and uh, yeah, everyone's just like spread out. So, and um, I apologize, I don't know a whole lot about the Amir songwriting process over the years. Is that, um, you know, are you have you been, um, you know, involved in the songwriting? Is that something? I mean, obviously, I know you do the lyrics and whatnot. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, but, it's, it's artistic it's... direction, but I mean, are you sitting there coming up with riffs on a guitar? So, I mean, I don't have the chops to pick up a guitar and play anything fluidly. That's why I have people like Josh in the band, who I, even if I have an idea, he can literally recreate it on the spot with me being like, this is what it should sound like. And we, there, there are moments like that where I have that kind of heavy hand in the writing. And then there's a lot of times where I'm just so curious to see what Josh will come up with and see how I can attach myself to it. And sometimes that's the strongest stuff, too. But it, it, it comes in different waves, like, you know. Like there's sometimes again, I have a lyric in my head, a song built around the lyrics in my head, try to put that out or I hear something that happens and I go, oh, that's great. Let me try and, um, you know, drive this, drive that vehicle in this direction and make the song to that. But that's evolved over time. I mean, there's been so many people in the band over the past 17 years now. So uh, it's 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 I've my input has only become more um, apparent as the albums have have, have you know, been created over time. But now again, like having someone like Josh in the band, I'm just so curious to see what he's going to, just going to do first. And then if I feel like there's something that the album's missing or an idea, I feel really strong about then we'll, we'll sit down and recreate it. But, um, I don't, I, I don't give full credit to myself or anything that happens. You know, I, I, it's teamwork makes the dream work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's interesting. Uh, you know, when I read, obviously you guys have a ton of fans, but you're one of those bands that elicits, uh, strong reactions, I suppose, either way. You know, the detractors. Sure, yeah, a better word uh, uh, than mine. Um, when you guys, when you got Josh in the band, 
you know, one of the frequent things you'll read out there, and you've probably seen it, is Josh is, Josh is too good for this band. Josh is too technical. Frankie has this weapon that he can't really utilize to his fullest ability because Amir's song structures are too simplistic, and he belongs in a more technical band where he can spread his wings and fly. You know, putting it uh, <laughs> as poetically yeah. as, as I possibly can. Um, yeah. Is that something, though, that you struggle with? You have a core sound that Amir has been known for over the years. Um, and to, to utilize, I guess, the strengths Josh has, you'd have to deviate, you know, I suppose significantly from that core sound. Is that something you've wrestled with since having him in the band? Or just something yeah. you don't give a shit about? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, there is that kind of, like, issue where Josh is capable of so much and there's been times where he'll send me like literally a hundred things and I'm like, dude, this is really good. Like this is really cool, but what am I gonna do with this? This is not this is not gonna fit the mold or what people not what people expect, but it's so out of frame of what we are at at the core of this that it doesn't make sense. So it's a lot of me like hearing that stuff and then, like I said before, like trying to drive that car in the right direction. Like, all right, let's let's scale it back this way. Let's that riff, like this part of that riff is cool. Let's take that part, focus on that. Um, you know, like having someone who's so capable and talented and everything that Josh is 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 not it's not a hindrance at all. I don't want it to sound like that, but um, there has definitely been like this kind of like trying to like retrain his brain. Like, look, I know what you can do let's pop it off in this world in this again in this box that i've created that we've been we've been i don't want to i use quotations been succeeding in you know what i'm saying so um i think that there's definitely like only now pretty much an evolved version of the sound that's already there i don't think emir even though josh has joined the band we've deviated too far from what the sound is and even though people can say whatever the fuck they want about oh you should be doing this and that it's like okay then how about this how about you guys how about anyone out there play Play all every Amir record front to back, and I'll put you in the band. Because that's not going to fucking happen. No one can do it. So I don't. It doesn't really matter what anyone thinks or says about the shit, because no one's been able to replicate the shit perfectly, and they won't. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's great that people think that way, I guess, because it means that Josh is that good and whatever. But it doesn't mean that I don't know. This essentially what they're saying is true or anything like that. I don't. I don't think of it like that. You know what I'm saying? It's probably all those Tony Danza fans that. I mean, Tony Danza, I'm, I'm a fan of Tony Danza, and I was actually a fan of Tony Danza before Josh was ever in that yep. band. I love that band. So, yeah, uh, yeah so, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I get I, I've known. I've just known Josh for a long time because of, like, some old MySpace messages we sent to each other, like, back in the day, before, like, before anyone MySpace. even knew who he was, really. Never heard of it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I have so much love for the guy, and I'm so glad he stepped up to play, because without him, a lot of what we're doing would not be possible at all. But uh, what people say about it is completely worthless to me. I, I assume you heard his uh, new solo-ish track with uh, Andy from with Andy? Yeah, the yeah. Andy kid's super talented. He actually did an amazing Emir cover like a couple of years ago that's like super good. And, uh, yeah, it makes sense that they would, they would team up and do something together. And now you got the other Josh, who, um, you know, I guess pretty much uh, Darko. Yeah. Uh, pretty much put, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but he did, like, all the instrumentation and everything. Yeah. So you've got a bunch of dudes in the band who are sort of self-sufficient, if you will. Yeah, that's great. They should uh, 
go on tour together. <laughs> no, I'm not suggesting that. You've got, uh, you've got an ample supply of ideas, I suppose. No, yeah. They're, I mean, both uh, Josh Miller and Jester Travis are super talented. And, yeah, I mean, the, the, the proof's in the pudding, obviously, that what they're putting out is really good. So no surprise there. Have you guys been uh, – You guys had – I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Have you guys been trading back ideas – in, during this time, since you guys are just like stuck and bored, even though you kind of you guys already are scheduled for a release this year, have you guys been like doing any writing and everything? No, I mean not really. I mean again, Josh has been kind of working on his own time, doing his own projects, uh, spreading his wings, I guess you want to call it. But uh, no, there hasn't been anything on the Emir front really. We've, I mean, unfortunately, with the whole COVID nineteen, I was supposed to be on the road this month in Europe promoting this upcoming album, which is supposed to be the main focus for everybody. But um, that obviously is tanked for obvious reasons. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Things are kind of up in the air. I mean, the album is still going to come out. There's still content being made. And uh, all that's very real. But um, I just don't know. I don't have any hard street date for anybody or like when that's going to happen or or really have any kind of news to say about new stuff. Because even though we talk about it, we haven't implemented anything yet. We have done zero kind of writing or anything, but it, it, we do chat about it. We, it's in the air for sure. We, we're considering having a new release ready to go for next year, but um, we'll see what comes up. The, uh, the album, uh, the album was done, right? Yeah, I finished but, it in August. But, okay, but there were, and um, I don't think there was ever a release date that was. Uh, you know, dropped obviously no, now no. that this whole COVID thing. That w- if no. there was a release date, it would have been bumped anyway. But as far as um, you know, the new release date. I know you don't know it, but is that? Are you guys going to wait till the world is quote back to normal? Or no, no, no. You're but, not. You don't... The, the album's the album's going to come out this year. It's just that right. we've been strategically trying to just make dope shit. Because the people, and I don't mean to say this to demean anyone, but I mean, like, generally people's attention spans are about, what, 0.3 seconds? So it's like, yeah. what's the point of just, here's a single, here's the album date, here's the album. Like, why don't we just keep putting out as much content as we can, like a single every couple months or whatever we can possibly do that actually is good and worth checking out. And then when all it's said is done, we've kind of laid out the groundwork of what the content, the visual content and everything is, then it's like, boom, record's out. You know, so people are like, oh, cool, I've been checking out this thing, this and little, now I get the whole fucking spiel. The whole, the old format of single, tour date, tour, tour announced, album release date, that's dead. Like, now you need to pretty much be shelling out as much as you can constantly to keep people's attentions on what you're doing. And the fact that people are still asking now, when's the album, when's the album, means that it's working. People are still interested. They still want to see what's coming next. So that's kind of the whole point. Just keep milking it for all it's worth, you know? Do you like that yeah. model better you, than the old traditional um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say better. It's just that I understand that that's kind of the world we're living in now. The fact that media is so uh, easily, everything's so easily accessible. It's like once an album's in the air, people are done with it a week later. Not that they're over it, like in sense they don't like it anymore. But it's like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's right. the newest thing? Like that's all they're worried about, which is fine. That's just kind of the age we're living in. So you kind of have to adapt to that. I mean, this is all stuff that. I didn't even really have the foresight on I me. Mean, really, it's people like, like like the people on my label who are like, "Look, this is the game plan. This is what makes sense." And, I, and honestly, I believe it. It does make sense. So, yeah, I was who has the to final Alex. call? Out of curiosity, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Um, I, I just wanted to ask, who has the final call? Is that you or the label? As far as a release date goes, I'm just curious. 
I mean, like, I, not to be, like, too redundant, but, like, teamwork makes a dream work. Like, I trust these people. Like, they're the ones who are going to be a little more aware of that thing. Like, I'm old school. Like, to me, it's like, put an album out, and if the album is amazing, you, you tour on it for three years, and then you put a new album out. And the fact that Look At Yourself, our last album before the one that's about to come out, the fact that we were able to tour on it for that long is practically a miracle, because it was such a standout record for us. It did carry for that long, but for other people, like, and I wasn't even really, um, I guess attuned to this. Other people were like, new shit, new shit, new shit. It's like, really? Like I just put this record out. That's fucking banging. Like, this is what we're touring on. People were like, whatever this other bands put out records that are, that are six or where the fuck's your record at. And I get that as a consumer, you just want something to take, take its place to compete to fill up the zeitgeist of your musical world or whatever so we're just we're just trying to play the game in uh you know in lieu of what the you know the fucking i guess the i don't know what you call it the ecosystem is of this right. whole thing now because like it's changed so much well i as don't a- be so lazy man the beatles <laughs> put out an album every year <laughs> Dude, Amira was putting out an album every year up until I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Yeah, your first yeah. five records were basically every year, other than 2010. You had a record every year from 2007 to 2012, and a that's, lot of those records are true. like you know, there's some classic singles on there for sure on Felony, Speaker of the Dead, yeah. Slate of the Game, and everything. Uh, but as a consumer, I I do enjoy the model of a band maybe writing ten songs and releasing them throughout the year. I know Alex and I had this conversation earlier last year about um, you know how record labels would you know combat with the with the attention spans and all that stuff because you know artists and other artists that are you know people that paint people that make content people that are just you know putting stuff on the internet that you're competing with that now as a whole so it's everything like Netflix and exactly. YouTube and everything exactly. you got to compete with all that so you know to stay relevant like. Uh, like trapped has for this long, you have to continue to put out content like that. Yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, it's true though. Like you just, even, even if like, even if let's say you're putting out something that might not have been your, um, what's it called? Your, your swan song or whatever. Like you still put it out. You still got to have something out there for people to chewing on. Cause like you're saying, you're competing not only with other bands and musicians. Now you're competing with fucking like YouTube. You're competing with fucking, podcasts like all this shit you know what I'm TikTok, saying so tiktok's a big one and now that you know the, the attention span on tiktok could be very minimal because videos are quick it's like the new vine you know yeah bro the hive mind is really poisoned in my opinion i think that we've really <laughs> really fucked ourselves now i don't i'm not on tiktok i can't i don't i don't know anything about it enough just other than say i've seen like people make funny face filter videos or something like that but yeah i i think just the whole information age, if you want to call it the information age, it's more of just like the pollution age, like how much fucking sh- nonsense can be fl- funneled to people's brains. You know what I'm saying? That's all I really see. Yeah, I mean, you got people like spending 20 minutes, two days, whatever, setting up some TikTok video. It just, it's gone too far. I guess everybody's looking for their, their viral uh, 15 minutes of fame. And at some point, uh, yeah, I think we've, we've, done more harm than good yeah fame is cheap fame fame is really cheap too like i remember at a point one point in time you were famous for like being good at something now you can just be like famous for licking your toilet <laughs> you yeah. Yeah, like yeah. fame is the cheapest thing ever you know yeah that's for sure um i guess to to bring it back to the band uh you guys i was just looking 
at the very first Lamb Goat Amir news item, which <laughs> I apparently typed Wild. up in 2006. Okay. Uh, when, when you guys was got signed Victory. No, okay. it was Victory Records signs Amir. Wow. Victory owner Tony Brummel, Brumel. Uh, how do you pronounce that? Brummel. Brummel. This is aggressive music for what many feel are frustrating times. There are many negative ways to deal with frustration in one's life. Amir provides a positive alternative. Sonically and emotionally, they reflect the power that music can have. Straight from the horse's mouth, but uh, I was looking through the comments and, like, of course, like, comment number, I don't know, whatever. Halfway down um, <laughs> was, <laughs> halfway down was, uh, where the hell did it go? Tony Bromo will steal your cash. Signed, Hawthorne Heights. Um, <laughs> you guys, you guys re-upped with Victory, right? Yeah, twice. Uh, so clearly you didn't have the same concerns or you didn't have the same issues with, with Tony and company that, you know, some of these other bands have, uh, have had and, and had quite visibly like a day to remember and Hawthorne and even going back to Hatebreed. Um, I'll, I'll uh, you had a different experience. I'll, I'll say this. All right. Hawthorne Heights is a fucking, they are like the exception to the rule. You know what I'm saying? They're the Midas touch. It's like, it's such a rare thing that a band in that genre, in that seat, in that label becomes like MTV mainstream fucking huge success. Now, if you know anything about Victory Record deal, Victory Records deals, they are not in the artist's favor in the sense that <laughs> you could sell a million copies, you're not going to get a million dollars. That's not how it's set up, all right? Now, so I understand Hawthorne Heights probably were like, fuck, like we we're worth so much more now, we should be getting X, A, Y, Z out of our contract, but you're not owed it. Now, with the mirror, we knew what we were signing. We understood that we were going to get this this money up front, they're going to pay for this much of the of the record, and there's a lot of positives I can say about Victory. The fact that they never stifled us creatively. They paid for the albums to get done. The, the art team was always behind us. Like everything came, like everything fell together right in our relationship with Victory Records. Uh, but there's also things that, you know, could never be fixed. Like the fact that they own like 100% of the publishing or the fact that like the royalty rate is like literally almost non-existent. You know what I'm saying? But that's kind of like nature of the beast i guess especially when you're dealing with an independent like that who is just like pretty much like hey look we're gonna spend a bunch of money in your band and make you guys like known and shit but uh you know when when the, when the cash comes flowing back in like don't expect to like get fucking deducted to your you know you think you're owed it's just not what it is but the reason we read up twice like i said is because they were they did come through on the albums they came they were behind us with everything we did and then when it came to giving us like the sodom bonuses they were pretty fat like, we got paid from Vigil Records for sure in those early days. Like, you know, once with Eternal Enemies late to the game, like, they wrote some pretty fat checks to keep us on board. And I think that has to do with the fact that maybe we were one of the only last bands on the roster that kind of had momentum and people were really paying attention to. And that's not to bash anyone that got signed prior or before or anything like that. I'm just saying that it seems like we they had a major incentive to keep us around. It wasn't like we were just no, like, I, I, you I know, we weren't totally fading accurate. out. By the so, time you guys signed, no, I just uh, I just wanted to um, uh, reinforce that because by the time yeah. you guys I guess signed your second contract, yeah, it was kind of a I don't want to say a dead scene at Victory, but um, you guys were one of the you know big stables in the horse at that point, uh, which wasn't the case earlier. So yeah, I could see how that would work out for you, uh, but 
Then you went to Sharp Tone. So was there an offer? I mean, was there an offer or consideration to, to sign in with Victory a third time, or was that just the relationship was was uh, dead at that point? You were resigned Be- to go somewhere else. Before there was a mass exodus in 2015, me, me and that current lineup, we all decided that we were going to take a deal from Nuclear Blast. Now, I don't know if you're familiar, but Nuclear Blast is pretty much the European leg of the Sharp Tone label. Or right. a, a sharp, sharp Tone is really the American leg of the Nuclear Blast label, I should say. Um, so Nuclear Blast had wanted to sign us for, like, years. But we never jumped ship because Tony... Tony Brummel kept writing us fat sign-on bonuses. Like, come, come back, come back. I'll give you fucking cash. Let's make it work again. And we're like, all right, you know, money, money talks, bullshit walks. But then we kind of felt like our best bet was to go with a label that had better, um, better work ethic in other territories. Now, the thing about Victory Records, people don't know, is that yeah, in America they're like a staple, but outside of America, no one pays attention to them at all. Like, and in Europe, they have no like stake there in Australia, Japan, you name it. There's not like a Victory Records stranglehold there. But Nuclear Blast, on the other hand, on all these other markets, Australia, Europe, yada, yada, they crush it. They know exactly how to get your band popping off. And now if you are familiar with like how bands survive, like the trends, like you do your thing in America, hopefully it goes well. And if you're very lucky, your European career takes off and that's where you continue to go and bang out records and like, and like still like sell places out. Like that's, that's the longevity market for, for metal bands. So nuclear blast was, was our best bet to continue that, you know, that's, I don't know what you call this, that part of our career or the, the strength of our touring cycles and stuff like that, whatever, you know? So there was the a lot of reasons to don't shit. Portion of the career. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, what, what did, um, did you experience any uh, animosity from Tony when you left? Like, yeah, for bands? sure. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, Tony has like talked shit about me and stuff like that, and we've had our little tiffs and stuff. But I, I mean, really in general, I can't say anything bad about the guy. Like, I, I really can't. Like, he he didn't he didn't burn us really by any measure. Um, like I said, like he was really behind everything we ever wanted to do. Like everyone at the label was, and it wasn't a bad time to be on Pretty Records, but um. Yeah, that's really it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, what how his feelings are now. The last message I got from Tony was someone secondhand was like, Tony want me to tell you he thinks you're really smart and talented, which I don't know if that was like <laughs> one of the backhanded comments, but oh, <laughs> either way, you know. <laughs> Take it. Take it as a compliment. But I guess yeah. uh I guess he's doing all right with his uh you know Well he's he's sold the, the victory's inter- acquisition. He sold everything to Sony. The entire Victory Library, so. To, uh, right. Well, I thought it was to Concord. I, I don't know. Why. Yeah, I mean, it might be, I, might, I might have my information wrong. I thought it was Sony. Oh, I guess, it, yeah, because I just posted um, something because, the, yeah, he launched his new label, Mission 2 Entertainment, with, because uh, I guess when he sold Victory and another Victory, the publishing uh, house, he kept some of the staff and was just biding his time to launch something else and now has mission two with, I guess, Curl mags is their, uh, um, whatever. Flagship their, band number, their first sign. Yeah. Flagship yeah. band for the moment. Um, so whatever he's gonna, I guess, start a new empire or so he'd like to. <laughs> mm-hmm. So everything with sharp tones. Cool. Then. 
Yeah, no, it's it's you know, I, again, uh, I've been very blessed that everyone that kind of comes into my circle has full faith in whatever my ideas are and like tries to make them come to life. Um, and it's no different now with Sharp Tone. I mean, I've been working with some of the people in the label for like over a decade already, so it just became like a it was a, it was an easy shift, you know. And obviously, like I said, like I said, Nuclear Blast is so great because they were able to like take the next step of a mirror and completely blow it the fuck up in all these places Tony could never touch, like Japan, Australia, Europe, you know, ex- you know, all those other markets that exist. So you're the, uh, you're the, are you the, the Amir trademark owner? I assume. Yeah. I'm you have full ownership of the band legally. Yeah. That's a good place to be for sure. <laughs> speaking of, uh, speaking of sharp tone, they've kind of been killing it the last couple of years as far as like, uh, you know, Metalcore has been concerned. They've been really uh, putting out some quality releases, and um, I guess you would consider them a label mate. Uh, Loathe actually dropped a really good, a really good new metal inspired uh, new new metal metalcore record uh, this year. I didn't know if uh, you kind of planned on touring with them once this all kind of blows over. I know they're from. I would love to. I would Europe love to. As well. I, uh, I yeah, I heard some of the new stuff. It's cool. It's different than the previous. Um, releases it's got kind of more of like a i hate saying everyone says everyone compares every fucking band to deftones it doesn't sound like deftones it just sounds it just it's got more of that kind of like that kind of songwriting going on where like he's singing more the guitars are more droning it's not like mosh riffs and stuff like that um i think it's good uh i i also i i say it all the time loathe is like one of the one of the best live bands i've seen that have come out in a while like they really throw it the fuck down. So I'm a fan for sure. They're sick. Who else are you listening to these days? Oh, uh, dude, nothing. I, I, I have a record collection. So uh, I have, like, my vinyls I spin, like, all the time. And then, like, every once in a while, I, like, jump on my YouTube premium and, like, play something that I don't own on vinyl. Like, I don't know, like, Blood and Shed or something like that. And, uh... No, that's really it. I don't know. I, I can't. I, 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 there's, there's. I can, I can shout out bands that are worth listening to if that's what you want me to do. I think Loser is one of the dopest bands out right now that no one's paying attention to. They have an amazing record out called Never Young, and everyone should check that out immediately. Um, but there's, I mean, the list goes on. There's all kinds of bands that are that are sick that I might not be shouting out. It doesn't mean they're not dope, you know? Right, right. What I assume you're you not. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I assume you're not sitting around listening to hardcore and metal. Yeah, I was gonna um, see what what other genres were you listening to. I'm sure you're not smooth jazz, to it all the time. Uh, big band from the '30s. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of my intake for music is Aphex Twin. He's like my like musical idol, pretty much. I listen to him like all the time. But I also have like um, like classics. Like I I, I spin like Mudvayne and Corn. And uh, today I was actually listening to fucking this fucking jam. If anyone's familiar with this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, RTL baby. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, my, my tastes are varied. I like everything. I'm not one of those people that only listens to one genre or feels attracted to like one particular style of music. I, whatever I'm in the mood for, I listen to, you know? Yeah. What are some of your, uh, top choices on the vinyls there? You, you, you say you have a vinyl collection. What are some of your top choices that you always, always like to spin? I mean, really, I try to surprise myself. I just put a lot of new one every day, and whatever it is, that's what I, I you know, put on. But I, I again, a lot of my collection is Aphex Twin. Um, I have a Anal Cunt Morbid Florist record I put on sometimes. I, I actually have a decent DG Allen vinyl collection too. Um, again, I got LD50. I got Corn Self Title. I got Three Dollar Billy All. 
on vinyl, but nice. I rarely, rarely ever touch that because that's like super rare, and I don't want to like have anything bad happen to that thing. <laughs> don't want to scratch um, that. But yeah, um, I don't know. There's some more I have that I'm not listing off. I guess my memory is not the best, but yeah, Apex Twin was like the artist that I was like, I want to own all that stuff on vinyl because he's like, he's like my hero pretty much. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you said you sat around listening to Meshuggah or something all day, I'd be concerned. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I fuck Meshuggah, but no, I, I um, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't only listen to like one thing all the time. It, it, it's, I start, it starts to lose like its like texture when I feel like I listen to one genre all the time. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I never listen. Well, I didn't say never, but I don't listen to heavy shit. Um, other than everything I have to listen to, a bunch of fish. <laughs> No, I'm not sitting around <laughs> listening to fish. Oh well, I like eating fish. Uh, I'll admit to that, but no, it's probably something to do with age, though. Hey, we all you have know? our jam bands. You know what I mean? Well, some jam bands are worth it. You should some step into the light, Alex. Horrible. Nowadays, it's so, okay to like weird things, and you know, what's, a, what's a jam Dave Matthews, man. Like Fish and Dave Matthews and like the Grateful Dead and just you know stuff like that. Dave Matthews is a jam band. Uh, they're on the fringes. Yeah, they, I don't like Dave Matthews band at all. But I like I Dave Matthews. I fuck heavy with them. <laughs> so yeah, I don't want to insult them, but uh, yeah, never a fan. But I did Fish back in the day, more from a musicianship standpoint. I never got into the whole. You know, go follow them around and eat your pop brownies or whatever. I just liked the CDs. I didn't give a shit about the live music. Yeah, I definitely um, did right. that at a Dave Matthews show once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Uh, where were we? All right. So um, I would like to inquire about uh, about a year ago we had our first podcast and uh, Franz brought you up and then you guys yeah. kind of squashed the beef after that. I was wondering if you um if you guys have had any kind of like con- conversation since then and it, what it, what it's oh, been you didn't like. hear man the beef's back on oh shit no i'm just kidding oh uh, no um he's like the last person on my mind for sure um <laughs> but uh i have i have no problem with the kid you know really i'm, I'm down like when I, I when i when i heard what he was saying about me i honestly felt bad it's like damn like like i know for a long time i was like I was at war with everybody. Like I had no peers. Like everyone to me was just a person in my way. I had I was playing a zero zero end game. I was like, either either I'm quote unquote the the, the focus, or every or, or or I'm not. Everyone can fuck off. So anyone that I felt was getting in my space like that, I just dis I just you know completely like I like just you know push them away. Like get the fuck away from me, kind of thing. So he had every right to, to say what he said. Um, but he also said that he was a fan, like a longtime fan, which I also know is true because I've been around the guy for so long. So I was like, you know what? Like, let me just go ahead and just let him know, like what he thinks about me as fair as it might be. That's not the whole, that's not me in a nutshell, you know what I'm saying? So let me just smooth it over. Let him know, like, look, man, I have no problem with you. You know what I'm saying? I would love to tour with you again, but, uh, you know, I guess I guess in a in a, in a in like a shorthanded way, I was apologizing, being like, "Hey, man, look, I I got no beef with you. Let's let's team up. You know, let's let's do more shit because that's that's what's most that's what's most important to me is to be a part of cool shit. You know, right. and obviously they they had such a amazing um, 
uh, career for themselves. They, they, they became like fucking like a super band pretty much. So maybe idiot, complete idiot uh, to uh, deny that. And uh, again, I got I gotta, I gotta beef with the guy. I think he's all right. I, I don't really know him other in any other offhand way other than he sings for Attila. That's it. You know, I'm not like I'm not like I've really have come in close course with them. Um, neither any other funny, capacity. Because so. I watched, I watched some. I don't know what year it was, but I watched some video interview. Uh, I don't even know how I ended up there on YouTube, but it was you and um, you know Chris and I don't know if there was somebody else there. Alex from uh, uh, Chelsea Grin, ex Chelsea Grin. Okay, but it did, there seemed to be it was just really awkward the vibe between you and Chris, and maybe I'm reading into something that wasn't there, um, you know, after knowing there was some uh, distaste for one another, at least for a period of time. Um, but yeah, that was definitely odd. Uh, it seemed like, you know, you guys toured together, um, but there was no the kinmanship, shall we say. No, no. And again, I, like I just said before, like there was a long kinship, not kinship. Yeah, there was a long period where like I didn't want to be anyone's friend, which is a terrible mindset to have in this industry. I just didn't care to know or be close with anybody. And that's my own hang up, you know, for in my 20s or whatever. But uh, yeah, that interview is really strange because we all for some reason agreed to be interviewed together. And I don't know. I don't know. Again, I can't I can't explain to you why I was the way I was, but that's who I decided to be in that moment being like, I'm not into this. I almost wish I never agreed to this. And, uh, this woman was asking me questions and I, I, rather than having fun with it, I just was annoyed. Really? That's, that's, that's the vibe that's in the video is me just being like, this is annoying. I don't, I don't care. That's about fair. This. Yeah. Now would you, that same, um, I guess attitude that, that, um, uh, was the catalyst for any problems you had with Franz or whatever. Is that, is that also partially responsible for, um, I guess the fractures that have occurred within Amur itself, as far as, um, you know, the, the, the brother, the Leonetti brothers, I think that's their name. Um, and, and then the lineup after that. There's so many variables that come into play in a band when you're dealing with five different people, five agendas, five egos, five people who are so young and still developing as people in general that you're going to you're going to have friction. It doesn't matter. does not matter. And the best way I can explain it is that um, familiarity breeds contempt. So you spend enough time with anybody. I don't care if it's your brother. It could be your fucking wife. At some point, you're going to be like, get the fuck away from me, you know? And we, with 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 being in a band, you're spent so much time together in these confined spaces under these extremely unique, intense uh, conditions. That yeah, their beefs happen. And me and the me and the Lanity brothers, that's a whole different thing than when everyone else quit in 2015. And I could go on and on about you know. This person was this way, and I was this way. Yada yada. Well, at the end of it, it's just at the end of it. Simply put, it professionally and personally, we had reached our end. There, there was no fixing that bridge. Shit so it wasn't worse. all just you being a dick or whatever. I mean, if you ask them, yeah, I was being a dick. <laughs> you know, but that, that's 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 one side of a story you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to sit here and start painting who they are, what they've done or said. It doesn't matter point is again professionally and personally it just it, it, it expired you know yeah no i get that one thing i was curious about you because you co-founded the band with 
um, the brothers. Yeah. Uh, so how did that? Uh, how did how did you come to possess a mirror um, as opposed to those two, or did they not even attempt to to keep it? No, they um, they bowed out on their own accord. They did not seek out any kind of like I don't know what you call it a. Uh, I don't know, ownership. I, don't know, I can't think of the word right now. They, didn't, they weren't, like, trying to, like, get a handle on it. They just like, all right, we're out. And pretty much the reason that it went like that was because I, we got into a huge fight, and it became a thing. I'm like, either I'm going tonight or he's going tonight. And everyone else is like, well, Frank's not going anywhere, so <laughs> see ya, pretty much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they never, uh, you know, came after me or whatever, like, trying to say, like, you know, they own the van or something like that. Again, they... They completely, they bowed out a long time ago, you know? Sure. Well, I guess they've got their, I get, you know, press releases for Lakeshore here and there. Um, yeah. I don't know how that's working out for them, but whatever. <laughs> so, Frankie, you were also one of the kind of first bands in these kind of subgenres, the heavy subgenres, that was offering kind of like a, a paywall system to where like you could become a, a new year member and this out of the other, ah. the fan, the fan oh, club yeah. thing. Well, my, mm-hmm. my, it's been, interesting. Why you bring that up? Oh no, it's been interesting though, how it's gone on since then, because now it seems, especially in this current situation with the pandemic and all that other good stuff. But even beforehand, like systems like Patreon have become a thing to where like you can, uh, you know, offer some kind of, you know, uh, extra content slash live shows slash, you know, Q and a stuff like you kind of were suggesting in your fan club, but it seems to be, it seems to have become like the norm now. I just wanted to know like how you felt about how that's progressed and how that's changed over time. Uh, I mean, try it again. I mean, it seems like the natural thing that would happen because there's no real money in the record sales you know, you, you can only tour so much. So you only have so much income going between you and the people that are in your crew, in your band, your manager, all that shit. So it's like the, the pieces of the cheese that this industry has, this shit gets chopped away real quick. So you've got to think of other ways to have some kind of like money coming in from your art. You know what I'm saying? If that's what you want to do. I've predicted the whole like subscription thing a long time ago. With what I did with, like, emailing or contacting people on DMs and stuff like that, I can see why that was not transparent. I can see why people were like, what the fuck is this anyway? But I was just kind of really attempting just a fucking, like, a Hail Mary being like, look, I'm going to do this thing myself rather than go through any third party and see what comes of it. That was just my mindset. I didn't ex- really didn't expect it be like this whole thing about how I'm scamming people and this and that, which I never did. Anyone that signed up, I gave them their money back. Like, look, I don't know why this is going so south, but here, like, you know, I'm not trying in good faith. I'm not trying to fuck anybody over, but, um, yeah, see, it's, it's funny now to see that everyone and their mother is doing that same kind of model, but just again, via third party, it's not, they weren't doing it the way I did it, which looking back, obviously I don't, I don't. I don't. I, I regret the decision only because I, I know I could have done it a little smarter, a little more transparent. I mean, my takeaway is, and and I, I honestly feel slightly guilty because I feel like you know the post that I did about that sort of fucked it all up. And I, I mean, I never got the impression from anyone that you were, um, you know, scamming people. This wasn't right. a Johnny Craig. 
I was going to say, you're not thing. selling laptops um, or nothing. Right. And I, I, <laughs> I think, um, you know, while there were a few people, a few vocal people that were like, this isn't transparent enough. We don't, you know, know what we're getting and blah, blah, blah. There were, you had a, a great deal of support that were like, you know, this is this monetary amount or whatever is completely fair. And, and you know, uh, Frankie and Amir need to do this to survive and I've got no problem with it. Um, so I think from that standpoint, I felt a little guilty because there wasn't anything nefarious or malevolent going on. It was just, um, you know, something you came up with to try and sustain the band um, as times get tougher. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think um, at this point, months or I don't even know how it was, you know, a year ago or whatever. I don't think you came out of that uh, with any dents whatsoever um, because you did, um, you know, come out right away and, and express a little regret about the, the way you went about it and refunded everybody's money. So I'm kind of like, well, no harm, no foul at this point. And I think the takeaway is that you have a lot of support out there. And, and when you do, um, you know, launch something, whether it's Patreon or, uh, you know, I don't know what other vehicles are out there at this uh, um, point in time, I think you'll you'll do pretty well with it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like consider that to be like a huge bump of the road or anything like that. But it definitely got people's uh, attention for a little bit, at least to be like, "Hey, what the fuck is that?" And then again, I think it's funny that now it's become such a normalized thing, like again via third party, that it's funny how there was any backlash at all. But whatever, I, I don't, I don't think about it too much. It, it is what it is, and I, I, I wish I had just maybe just been a little bit more forthright with i guess being like okay look you can sign up for this patreon page or the fuck i just thought that that was kind of lame i was like why don't i just see if people want to sign up to this email uh subscription and then take it from there but whatever well i guess i guess from their standpoint it's probably better they got refunded because those uh lifetime passes to amir shows wouldn't have been doing a lot of good uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah buddy it's crazy though. It's like the age of the content creator for the most part with those kind of third party, uh, you know, apps and and whatever situations are available to uh, to everyone. My the the most curious for like all the rockers that have OnlyFans. I'm I'm very curious as to the content that some are putting on there. I know you have an OnlyFans. I know. Uh, Chris oh, I don't, has I don't one. have an OnlyFans. Oh, I thought you had one. Sorry. <laughs> no, I. I made a joke. I was like, get the BTS yeah, that, on my uncircumcised I, mosh. I got you. OnlyFans.com slash uncircumcised mosh. Hey, uh, I'll admit I clicked that link, there. and I wasn't sure if that was just a bad, <laughs> a bad link, like you screwed it up, or you were just – I figured you were punking everybody, but yeah. – um, I mean, some, Yeah, Dave told me you had Some artists have them, you know what I mean? So it's okay. I'm not bashing it in any which way. You know, get it how you live it or whatever they say, but uh, – it was interesting because I, I, you know, I'm all for like I, I tell bands all the time they should do Patreon even before all this uh, quarantine stuff popped off. I've I've told bands that's probably the wave of the future, just like releasing singles over the year and then maybe at the end of the year releasing a physical copy for those who enjoy physical media and stuff like that, which there are a few of those still out there. Yeah, I mean, Emir is cooking up something that we're going to launch very, very soon that hopefully people that fuck with us will be interested in that will kind of start to, uh, you know, counteract what's going on with our touring career being so fucked up. But, um, yeah, 
I mean, I, I saw all this coming, not the coronavirus per se, but like the trend of being like a content creator or a band or anything and being like, look, you subscribe to us for X amount of dollars. This is what you, we provide for you. And there's perks and yada, yada. So I'm not surprised by it at all. Yeah, I think it's worth I'm it. I'm sure that'll work for out for you. Uh, do you want I feel bad. I No, I was just going to, I was going to lament the current state of, uh, um, you know, the music industry. I, every time, I'm like one of those guys who reads a ton of music books, um, you know, just uh, about bands, whether it's sort of quasi-trashy stuff like the Led Zeppelin Hammer, the Gods book, or more, um, uh, you know, textbook type industry things. But it just sucks to be a musician in 2020 or 2010 or even 2003 when you when you look at the the people from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Now, it was hard to get your band off, harder to get your band off the ground, um, at least to get a little visibility because we had no internet. But once you did get it off the ground, it just, I mean, the road to actually having a sustainable income and career is just um, so much different. In other words, if a mirror was around in the 70s and, had albums in the Billboard Top 100. I mean, the record, uh, the the revenue from record sales alone, uh, assuming someone didn't get screwed by a shoddy record contract, which did happen, um, was enough to, to keep people's lives afloat for so long. And now it's like, it doesn't matter if you're 50 on the Billboard chart um, and touring constantly, you're still struggling um, when these kids, these 25-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 16-year-olds think like, oh, Frankie from Amir, man, he's on getting easy street. Uh, <laughs> when you're just struggling like, uh, you know, some of these bands that are just starting off because it's that the, everybody's on this even playing field, it seems like, unless you're, um, you know, a day to remember, or you're in that very top tier of bands. Beyond that, it's just a freaking struggle. And I, I, I mean, I'm so grateful I'm not, um, you know, part of that. I'd be mean, part of me would love to be, I, uh, but it's such a, it seems like such a slog and particularly as you get older, it just must get exhausting. Um, you know, fighting day after day as the music industry, um, continues its decline, not, not for the big companies. Cause of course, Apple and Spotify, you know, are killing it, but they're killing it on the backs of all these blue collar musicians such as yourself. And, it's hard not just to look at all of that and be like, fuck, it sucks to be a musician right now. And that's not so much a question as just uh, uh, me just, um, you know, <laughs> ranting out loud. No, I, I think it's fair assessment. I mean, yeah, it definitely is a sad state of affairs for the the B tier and C tier list of bands out there that I, I definitely consider in Europe to be a part of. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I you know I don't get too mad at it. You know, I, I have a friend who works for Spotify, and we were talking the other day about how like it's bullshit that Spotify is like about to be uh, pretty much close to being a billion dollar company, and they still give out next to fractions of a cent to the streams. But I mean, and right now it's like, it doesn't take anything to put your music on the internet or be on Spotify. Anyone can fucking do it. So it's like, why should they pay out Joe Schmo for his, you know, million fucking streams when you have someone like Lady Gaga, who's like, you know, 
literally one of the most mainstream artists of all time, killing and crushing it there, and she's not really even seeing shit either. So it's just kind of like this weird supply and demand we've created with music where it's so fluid and it's just like anyone can get a hold of it now that it's like it, it doesn't music just isn't as special as it used to be period i think that i saw some article one time that was like they asked like kids 14 to 16 if you had to pick one you had to, if you had to pick apple music or snapchat across the board snapchat yeah. They're like, fuck music. There's a shit about music. I, mean, I fucking Snapchat. So that's just like kind of the world we're living in, man. It's become secondary, you know. And when I was growing up, I'm sure I'm speaking to my peers here, music was the focus. It was That was the coolest fucking thing. Nothing was cooler than that. But now you're competing with just like social media and just like face filters and fucking, <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't even, I don't even fucking know, what's, honestly, what's out there because <laughs> I'm just detached, but... You know, it's it's not the end all be all anymore, and it's really fucked up that like you can't just be a great band. Like you have to be a great band that also has like this insane ability to market your music as more than a mu- like more than music as like this brand that people can wear and put on and put online and like make a part of their profile. I don't, dude. I don't don't even fucking know. I really don't. It's but all, um, yeah, it's all about branding for the most part. Yeah. These so- days. Yeah, it's not the music, it's the whole package. And I I mean, I can still remember, you know, a long time ago when you had to buy a CD. Uh, uh, well, actually, I should say my first music I probably bought was on cassette or something. But once upon a time, you'd shell out the money for a CD. And that was a decent amount of money for a kid or a teenager. And the end result is you'd sit there and listen to that CD. You'd put the time into that CD and grow to appreciate the music. You weren't just going to put it on, listen to one song and just chuck it because you just paid 12 bucks for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, you go on YouTube, you can listen to 500 songs, um, 30 seconds of each and just <laughs> bail out when you don't like it and move on to the next. There's no, there's no forced investment. And yeah. um, that sucks. You lose the experience of, of getting that new music. It's like, I remember when we were da- like when downloading music first started happening, I, there wasn't much of an experience other than like, oh, cool, I can download this song off Napster or something like that or or whatever the subsidiary uh, program was. But there was nothing like, you know, like you said, getting a physical album and just opening it up and then maybe reading along with the songs and learning those songs. It was like an experience, kind of like, I guess, people in the 60s would sit with record players and headphones and just like space out to Pink Floyd and Zeppelin and stuff, you know? Yeah, it's like you're focused on that album and that album only, and you were going to at least, maybe you weren't going to love it, but you were going to at least give it a shot all the way through. And, yeah, I, I, that probably rarely happens nowadays. Hopefully there's some kid in his basement who does that shit for a full album, but uh, more often than not, that's not happening. And now, you know, Amur, you guys have, what, eight albums uh, I'm sorry, seven albums, eighth on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume that your um, your royalty checks aren't paying rent, you know, even though you have this, <laughs> you have this, um, you know, decent sized back catalog. Yeah, yeah, I'm and, still and that, I'm still chasing that money for sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's just I don't know something wrong about that, as as I'm sure you agree to. But well, you guys have always been good at branding, case. though, uh, Frankie. You guys have branded very well. I think the uh, the E from the Imur and the logo has always been very uh, standout-ish. It stands out amongst all the other things. Plus, you guys kind of adopted the streetwear merch vibe earlier on and stuff like that. You know, your branding is, it, it seems like it's a focal point of, of Imur. 
Yeah, for sure. I think it has lots lots to do with the fact that I I just I just don't like a lot of what I see from my peers in the genre. I think a lot of it is played out or just given like no thought, like metal shirt, cool metal shirt, dude. Like, I haven't seen that a million times. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I get tired of that shit. So I want to do shit that's different that I personally enjoy and hope that the people that are gravitated to what we do are also um, able to like dive into it. But I mean, I still play the game, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when I go to Europe, like it's a totally different merch line than when I do the States. Like, cause all those motherfuckers, they want the metal shirt. They yeah. do not want the cool fucking like oh I never seen someone they want the fucking hey does that have a fucking pentagram on it alright I'm buying that one that's the one it's like just you have to like kind of feed into that a little bit um but yeah I mean we've been lucky I mean particularly I've been very lucky that I've been so stubborn and crazy to do this for so long because I think a lot of bands are the reason they disappear is because they don't have that kind of I guess desire to bleed out of their eyes to see the vision become something you know what I'm saying and I was willing to like sleep outside and do weird shit to make sure that I continue to do this. And I'm saying that's why we're still here today. You know, that's why when we, we go places and we were, we're that name on the flyers. Cause you know, I, I've made a lot of crazy sacrifices in my life to do that. And not a lot of people or bands in general will ever be able to willing to do or ever or will be willing to do that, you know? So. Well, you were way ahead of the curve on the, uh, paternal enemies, uh, mask or bandana. I'm not even <laughs> sure what that is, but that's super relevance right now, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, that album cover was just uh supposed to be a mood, you know. I wanted it to like represent like me at war with everyone, pretty much. I think that sums you up pretty well. Um, <laughs> for, from from the uh, the innocent bystanders' perspective, uh, yeah, but yeah. you're mellowing out, um, you know, as you grow old. The new, kinder, gentler Frankie. <laughs> which is cool See, I've, I've always been benevolent always but it's just it's taken a long time for me to have the patience i have now benevolent well, tyrant you know you could also kind of toss it up with it might have been some of your branding your personal own branding you know what i mean like necessarily you might have been trying to act like a certain persona because that that was what you may have thought a front man should have should be in a death course type band you know what i mean it fit it always fit the mold for me. I, I mean, just like, you know, you have people like Mean Pete. Yeah, his whole vibe was he's supposed to be a mean guy. And, you know, you mean no, I think not. I think the mean, the mean, um, the mean mysterious vibe definitely works better in this, this um, scene than the super friendly, outgoing, um, right. benevolent, as Frankie called himself. But the, the uh, obviously, conspicuously benevolent person because I mean, if you walk to walk up to your average metalcore fan and say, "Name, you know, the three most well-known metalcore frontmen," you know, Frankie's probably going to be one of them. So, uh, you take a lot of heat, but uh, it seems like you've done something right because you're still here and uh, people are still talking about you. Whatever you post gets a reaction. So, hey, that that's half the battle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that I kind of grew up under like this like examined eye of the internet you know in my being that i started the band at 16 and immediately by the age of 18 people were like you know emures emures the band blah blah, blah. like it, we, we, we kind of became like one of those like bands people were talking about so young and i think a combination of the attention and the overexposure like having all of my like premature thoughts uh being like broadcasted all the time and 
stuff like that. It kind of gave people a lot of chance to see low hanging fruit and be like, oh, this kid is this kid is this kid is that. He's a fuck up. He's a fucking asshole. Yada yada. But you know, it's really I just I was just like anyone else. Just I just had a bigger platform. You know. Right. Yeah. I think, and you were under the microscope a little bit more so than maybe your other peers that aren't even in, you know, the limelight or you know the well the public. Audience. I mean, I don't I don't know anyone out there who who wouldn't like to redo portions of their adolescence and having to do that with the the watchful eye of at least you know our corner of the 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 media is uh you know those are treacherous waters. So I mean. I don't know if anybody could look at you or anybody else and look at missteps or, or drama and be like, you know, what an idiot. They could, they couldn't, um, they couldn't do that in good conscience because we're all idiots as teenagers, I think, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alex, and do, adults. Do you have? Yeah, for sure. Do you have any other kind of things that you wanted to go over? I'm because I was going to go ahead and hit these Instagram questions up a little bit. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, go ahead. I, 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm not big on plugs. I think anyone that's listening to this or watching whatever knows what the fuck's going on. So no, we're we're good. We can do whatever we want to do. Um. Okay. The first one is from. I don't even want to. Say, I'm not going to say anything just because. Who knows? <laughs> they'll they'll know they'll know so what them. what the question is. Yeah. Whatever. I'm 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 going to skip any of the troll kind of ones. But I sure I won't be able to filter all of them. I should say okay. <laughs> probably not. Uh, this one is uh, referring to your Warp Tour days. Uh, this person would like to know why did you wear the tracksuit all summer long? I know you must have been burning up. Uh, it was it was hot, but I, I was so um, dedicated to my aesthetic that I didn't care that I was like sweaty and gross like that. And uh, we've already spoke a little bit about this, but someone asked, uh, they just asked, "Have you been working on your mental health recently?" Question mark. It's been very refreshing. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I, I know I said it earlier, but everyone's like evolving and growing and fixing things about themselves at their own pace. And I'm definitely still doing that now. You know, it took me like it, only very recently have I been like making these discoveries about myself, about patterns, like things I do or just self-destructive things I've done for my, to myself in the past. And I try to just like correct my way of thinking, you know, for myself, really not for anyone else, you know? True. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to start putting more stuff on the vision board and all that other kind of thing and just stay more positive, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, this one, uh, does Josh get paid more money in Emure than he was in Danza in the Glass Cloud? Uh, I can't speak on that. Um, possibly. I don't know. I never asked him. So you have to talk to Josh about that. Those yeah, metalcore salaries. Yeah, I figured so. Uh, opinion on Robert Pesbani? Pazbani from Metal Injection. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. That's uh, my uh, my business uh, comrade. Yeah, everybody. Uh, the the awkward inter- video interview, I guess. Um, I I don't know. I guess there's no bad blood there. Um, true story. The first time I was ever near him, and I don't think Rob remembers this at all, was at a glass casket show at CBGB's downstairs lounge. He came up to me. And asked me if I was in Glass Casket, and I was like, I looked at him like all sideways. I'm like, I'm like 17 or 18 at the time. I'm like, no, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then that was the that was like my first interaction with him in passing. And then obviously they've written about me a million times, and uh, I did the interview with him and stuff like that. But I mean, he's just a he's just a you know journal guy. I don't know bad to say about him really. Um, mean Pete once Mean Pete of uh, Ether Coven and. Um... 
Yeah, yeah. Remember, never wants to tell me wants me to tell you kissy face emoji. Oh, dude, I love that guy. I hope he's I hope he's feeling better, man. Oh, I know he did some chemo today. Actually, yeah. I think he was showing on his uh, Instagram, but it's, it's pretty cool that the whole scene is kind of, or like you know the people around him have kind of come around and supported him in the way they have. Chemo, yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, I love virus. That's 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 rough. Yeah, some chemo and corona. Uh, your favorite Madball record? Question mark. I don't. I'm not a big enough fan to name an album, unfortunately. But I, I fuck with them though. They're a great band. Frankie's favorite Madball album is "Set It Off." There, <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah, this last, I guess this other one here is a as a new metal fan. In your opinion, is in your opinion, new metal will back? Okay, I, I'm assuming he says uh, is new metal back. Uh, is it back? I don't know. I mean, I think that there's just a new generation of, of kids who are not ashamed of being into like shit like El Nino or Corn or whatever that are now making their own bands. So I wouldn't say it's essentially back or anything like that. I just think that now the whole like gatekeeping of like, oh, new metal isn't cool. Those kids have died. But those kids, don't, they don't yeah. exist anymore. So now we're seeing this new wave of people who are just kind of, I guess, more, I don't want to say open-minded, but I guess maybe just more open with their interests. And so now that's kind of shining during the music, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, it was, I definitely was a victim of the gatekeeping for sure. Cause I, I've always loved new metal, uh, new metal from that certain time period, late nineties, early two thousands. Um, yeah. I didn't really keep up with it, but once I got into like hardcore and metal, yeah, you, it wasn't really cool to speak about that in the, at the shows in the mosh pit, you know? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this last one's just a joke, I guess. Uh, what shocks you? <laughs> that took me a second to get Oh, that. man, what shocks me? Um, honestly, dude, people, straight up. I- I'm always fucking amazed and fascinated by the insanity that people display pretty much ad nauseum constantly on the internet and in life in general. So yeah, yeah people shock me all the time. Speaking I got to ask, yeah, go who's, whose fault was that, that electrocution thing? So did, did anybody get sued over that? No, here we go. So the story goes in terms of how or why we were with Chelsea Grin in Russia, obviously in Moscow. And, uh, we we're playing this, this venue that we had played before, but for some reason, on this particular night, I guess at some point in time, they had moved the stage around. And when they did that, the grounding wasn't very good for any of the electronics, being the microphone, all that stuff. So you take that combination with the fact that there's like almost a thousand people in there, no windows, the entire place is sweating. I mean, like sweat dripping from the ceiling, sweat on the gear, just everything is wet, right? Condensation out the ass. And, uh, before I even got on stage, Gino, who was our monitor guy or Chelsea Grin's monitor guy or whatever, he he got shocked first and was like, yo, Frank, like, I just want to warn you, like, I just got zapped really bad by the mic and there's a big chance you're going to get zapped too. So just like, I don't know what to tell you. Just like, be careful. And if I just was like, all right, like, let's see what happens. And then obviously the video's out there. You can clearly see what happens. And, uh, that's it. So no one got sued. And the reason no one ever is going to get sued is I'm pretty sure the Russian mob like runs the nightclubs there. So, yeah, you sue somebody, then you die. I guess. (laughs) So, but you had no, um, you know, 
uh, residual effects from that. That was just. I don't think so. Was, <laughs> well, yeah, maybe terrified. some people say your lyrics are all a result of that, but um, <laughs> you weren't fucked up. I mean, because I remember watching that video and I was just like, "Damn, it's, it's kind of gruesome." Yeah, you know, I watched it freaking, today again. Could have crushed your head on the corner of an amp, or who knows? Actually, you hit like, a, you hit something right with your bat. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, the the shock was uncomfortable and like a very crazy sensation but you see i fall on the drum riser and my back smashing the drum riser was actually the part that i felt past that time i was like oh god that fucking sucked like i felt that for a couple days at least i mean what did it feel like to get shocked like that was it like a i don't know if you've ever been tased by like a just a recreational taser or or like no it's nothing like a taser it was like it felt like a bus hit me but also someone pulled the rug underneath me just like it just takes you out off your feet immediately (laughs) But it does not feel like one of those, like, get away from me tases or whatever. Yikes. Yeah, no, it definitely looked rough. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry to uh, I'm sorry to laugh, but, I mean, it, it is it – is, it's humorous to see, but then I mean, like, when, you, it, when you watch it's, it, it's it – there's, like, there's definitely – no, no, it's okay. I mean, there's definitely, like, an air of schadenfreude where, like, you see it and you're like, holy shit, I'm glad that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. But then once it sinks oh, in, you're like, oh, my God, that's actually, like, fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But if nothing else, we got, you know, 10 years of Frankie is shocked Lambo comments. Yeah. <laughs> that one never died. Yeah. For well, sure. It did recently, I guess, kind of, but well, know, it, yeah. it did, it did make the run. Recently. Well, sorry, everybody. Um, do you have anything else to go on, uh, Alex, or anything you want to address with Frankie? Because we're going on like an hour and a half here. A yeah, I think, I think we've covered a shitload. All right. Well, Frankie. Thank you for Thank joining you, us. Yeah, we are we are pleased and grateful that you uh, have joined us. And I know everything in, in your busy schedule <laughs> this this month <laughs> has been insane. So I thanks for fitting us in. Yeah, man, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. All right, I'm just gonna. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.